You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello, good morning and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90min. Now, if you've received a notification that we're going live and you're checking your watch to see if it's working properly, do not fear. We are coming to you a little bit earlier than usual today. That's because we want to get the preview out there uh, as soon as possible for tonight's game between Arsenal and Crystal Palace at the Emirates Stadium. Um, Arsenal take on Roy Hodgson's side and a side who have been a bit of a bogey team for us, actually, in recent years. Arsenal have beaten Crystal Palace just once in their last five Premier League meetings. And that win came back in January 2018 when we defeated them 4-1 at the Emirates Stadium. Since then, there's been a 2-2 draw at Selhurst Park. There's been a 3-2 win for Crystal Palace at the Emirates Stadium. Um, in April 2019, we drew at Selhurst Park uh, away last season, uh, sorry, at home last season, and we drew away uh, as well. So they've been a bit of a difficult side for us to to break down and to get uh, the better of in recent years, Crystal Palace. So I think we should give them some respect going into this fixture. Um, you know, they're a side who are always very well organised under Roy Hodgson, and they're a side who you know exactly what you're going to get from. They're going to come to the Emirates. They're going to sit deep, as so many do, and they're going to look to hit us using the pace of the likes of uh, Wilfred Zaha on the break. So, yeah, um, not going to be an easy game tonight, and one that I think Arsenal will need to stay patient in. I think Arsenal will get chances. I think Arsenal will make chances, particularly if Mikel Arteta picks the right side. Uh, I'm going to come on to sharing with you guys what my team would be. It's not the team that I know Mikel is going to pick. It might not even necessarily be the one I think he will pick. It's the team I would pick if I were in charge of Arsenal Football Club. Wouldn't that be great, eh? Me in the dugout. I don't know if I'd... uh, I'd rock the Armani as well as uh, Mikel Arteta, though, I've got to say. Um, right. I um, want to start off by uh, saying a big hello to everybody in the live chat. How you all doing? Uh, good morning to Ashton, to Talal, to Steve, to Scuba Guna, to Alfred, and all of the rest of you. Of course, a big hello to those who will be watching this back on replay or listening uh, via the audio platforms as well. Hope everybody is good. Uh, cold, miserable morning here in London, as it has been uh, all week, pretty much. It's bloody freezing. The heating's on. Um, the jacket's on indoors. I hate that, but needs must at the moment. Um, just want to touch on a, a couple of other bits and pieces while we're here, because obviously there are some some discussions going on around whether or not the Premier League should continue at this moment in time, given the, the current crisis in this country with regards to the coronavirus. And you know, with each passing week, we're losing more and more games, a uh, victim to this virus. We've just heard that the game between Everton and Aston Villa that was due to take place on Sunday has now been postponed. Of course, Aston Villa still struggling with a high number of cases. And, and you know, you saw the side that they had to pick against uh, Liverpool in the FA Cup. But yeah, you know, with each passing week, we're, we're stopping games, we're rescheduling games. We saw Fulham have to play Tottenham on on really short notice. And there were a lot of complaints about that. 
I guess my view on the whole thing right now is football has to continue. Um, you know, as 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 long as it is kept safe, as long as the protocols are being followed. I know there's been a lot of uh, debate around this whole players celebrating thing in the last uh, 24, 48 hours. I mean, my view on that is at the end of the day, if these guys are man marking each other from corner kicks, they're going into challenges with each other. It's a contact sport. Then them hugging when a goal goes in or giving a little fist bump to one of their uh, one of their teammates. I don't see why that's an issue. These are people who have been tested and these are people who are in contact anyway. So why is it such a big issue? Personally, I don't think it's a big issue in terms of the risk of actually spreading the virus, in terms of uh, actually infecting one another. I think it's more that the Premier League have to be seen to be doing the right thing given uh, everything that's going on in the country. And in order to keep the government off their backs, in order to keep the pressure of, of some of the, the, the media off of their backs, they need to be following certain protocols. And look, if it means that we can't have uh, goal celebrations that end in hugs, then so be it. But you're talking about something that's been a, a habit for football players for as long as we can remember. So to, to switch that off, I think is going to be difficult. You know, I think you're going to have to be very level-headed mid-game, uh, having just scored a really vital goal for your side to think, hold on a minute, can't celebrate here. Uh, need to go and celebrate on my own. So that's um, that's an interesting debate. And and the Athletic reported this morning that, uh, that the Premier League will be meeting uh, with the managers and captains from the clubs to kind of re-emphasise uh, how important this is. And again, I go back to what I was saying before. I, I feel like this is very much... You know, yes, I think the Premier League are, are doing well, uh, have done well overall to contain the virus. I think the Premier League uh, suffered a little bit of a setback over the Christmas New Year period because players simply broke the rules, um, which has set them back a little bit. You know, the cases went up. I imagine and I expect that they will drop again. So I wouldn't be majorly concerned about that at this stage. Uh, but as I said, I think that. I think that the Premier League have to be seen, at least in the eyes of the government, to be doing the best they can, to be doing their utmost to protect players and therefore being allowed to continue the game. I mean, we've spoken about it before. Look, I'm, I'm not for a minute suggesting that these players are guinea pigs and that I want them to be put in harm's way. I absolutely don't. Um, you know, they should only be playing football in a safe environment. And up until that Christmas New Year period, it pretty much had been. Um, and then we saw rule breakers and then we saw sp the spreading of the virus. It's not ideal that fixtures are being cancelled, that teams are having backlogs of games. It's not ideal that we're rescheduling matches at the last minute like they did uh, with that game between Spurs and Fulham. What a fantastic result, by the way. Thoroughly enjoyed uh, watching Scotty P get one over his, uh, his uh, former boss in Jose Mourinho. But, I mean, it's not ideal. You know, the way that football is being run right now, the, the, the changes that are having to be made at the last minute, the fact that we're talking uh, about, you know, postponements, rearrangements, backlogs of games, teams having three, four games in hand. It isn't ideal, but this wasn't going to be an ideal season, was it? You know, first of all, you don't have the, the fans in the stadium, which is a massive thing. And as Philip says in the live comments, since football has returned without fans, I often find games boring and I'm kind of losing my love for football. Philip, I don't think you're the only one that feels like that, mate. I think 
that's quite a common view at the moment. You know, it, it's quite a common view at the moment. We're, we're watching games and I find that the added crowd effects does help. I know a lot of people don't like it. Obviously, you know, it's fake, you know, it's not real. And, and obviously that in some people's eyes, you know, kind of makes it poor, uh, devalues it. But for me, it really, really helps. Um, so if you're not watching the games like that, try it because I, I do think it is better. I've got to be honest. That's obviously my view, but it does feel like since that was put in, um, it feels a little bit closer to normal. As I was saying, um, going back to the whole the whole Premier League thing, I think that the Premier League are, are still ticking boxes and I don't think right now um, there is any appetite from anybody involved in the competition uh, to postpone matches to cancel the season, to suspend the season, whatever it is. Uh, so we're going to have to wait and see how that situation develops, of course. But, um, you know, fingers crossed our game can continue as long uh, as it is safe, of course. Right, let's turn our focus back to the game between Arsenal and Crystal Palace in the Premier League this evening. And uh, we're going to be doing another live watch along on that game. So come and join me uh, here from 7.45 p.m. tonight. It's an 8 p.m. kickoff. So uh, I'll be taking you through the team news, giving you my thoughts on that. And then we'll be uh, taking you through the game. So come and join me for the watch along. Uh, that will go on the schedule on the YouTube channel in around, well, after I finish this podcast, basically. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Come and join me for that. Um, I'll be taking your live comments, questions, whatever, during the the uh, during the match itself um, and bringing you uh, a little bit of commentary as well. So very much looking forward to that. Come and join me. Uh, also, uh, if you haven't already, make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. So, so important. Um, really, really uh, helps the channel. And uh, we'd love for you to support in that way. Looking at the overall head-to-head between Arsenal and Crystal Palace in the Premier League, there's been 22 fixtures between the sides. Arsenal have won 13 of those. Crystal Palace have won just three. And there have been six draws, which three of which have come in the last five fixtures, as I mentioned previously. Going into this game, current form guide, Arsenal go into it off the back of three straight Premier League wins. Of course, also uh, picked up that win against Newcastle United in the FA Cup. Those wins coming against in the league coming against Chelsea, Brighton, West Brom. Crystal Palace's case, they've got just one win in their last five, and that win came at home to Sheffield United. They won that game by two goals to nil. Shouldn't turn your nose up at the fact that they've got draws uh, against Leicester City, uh, who many people see as top four contenders this season, and they drew away at West Ham uh, during that period as well, um, which hasn't been easy this season. They did get hammered at Liverpool during that run, and they, uh, sorry, at home to Liverpool. And they got hammered at Aston Villa as well by three goals to nil. Looking at their season overall, Crystal Palaces, uh, let's have a good look. They're in 13th place, Arsenal in 11th. We've won seven games. They've won six. They've drawn four. We've drawn just two. Crystal Palace have actually lost less Premier League fixtures than Arsenal this season. They've lost seven. We've lost eight. But of course, those draws um, are what has proved a little bit of a problem for Roy Hodgson's side. Average goals scored per match. Actually, Crystal Palace lead us on that as well. 1.29 in comparison to Arsenal's 1.18. Average goals concede per match. Crystal Palace concede more than us. They concede an average of 1.71, whereas Arsenal concede 1.12. 
clean sheets. Arsenal have five. Crystal Palace have two. Um, our biggest win came in that 4-0 victory at West Brom. And funnily enough, Crystal Palace's biggest victory came in a win at West Brom. Another win by a four-goal margin. They won 5-1 uh, at the Hawthorns. Top goal scorer in the Premier League across the two sides currently is Wilfred Zaha. He's got eight. Alexander Lacazette is in second with seven. And third is Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang with just three. Uh, in terms of assists, Willian uh, leads the way. He's got three assists and he's joint top with Andros Townsend. You know, and, and you think about how poor Willian's been over all this season. To think he's up there um, across the two sides is incredible. Um what else have we got here? In terms of passes, Gabriel leads the way. Uh, Arsenal centre-back, three Arsenal players in the top three. Uh, Gabriel, Rob Holding and Kieran Tierney. And in terms of the most tackles completed, well, they all are Crystal Palace players. James MacArthur, 47. Andros Townsend, second with 40. And Tyrick Mitchell is in third with 29. Uh, so those are some of the underlying stats uh, with regards to the fixture between Arsenal and Crystal Palace. Now it's time for me to share with you guys my starting lineup for this evening's game. I want to stress it again. This is not exactly, um, this is not a predicted 11 and it's not necessarily, um, you know, what I expect maybe, um, you know, I don't know. It could be, it's, there's not much uh, margin at the moment in terms of what I think we all believe should be playing uh, and what, Mikel Arteta has been doing in the last few weeks anyway, but this is what I've gone with. Uh, so I've gone with Bern Leno in goal. Um, I don't think there's any question about that. By far, Arsenal's best goalkeeper made a really, really key save in that game against Newcastle United uh, the other day, proving his worth, uh, did Bern Leno. So he goes in goal for me. Uh, it's a back four of Kieran Tierney at left back. He's been fantastic of late, fully warrants his place in the side. Um, didn't think he was going to play in the FA Cup game. He did, uh, but I still expect him uh, to play uh, a key role and to start in this game this evening. At centre-back, I've gone with Pablo Marie, who's been excellent and, in my opinion, hasn't received the credit that he probably should have over the last uh, few weeks. I think he's been a key part of Arsenal's turnaround as well. He's a very uh, comfortable defender, very uh, good at reading the game. There's no real thrills with Pablo Marie. He's, he plays it. He plays football in a very basic way um, for someone of uh, of Spanish origin. You know, he's not, I'm not going to say he's not comfortable on the ball because I think he is, but he's not one to try and overcomplicate things when in possession at the back. He does often, when he feels it's needed, play the ball long, put the ball out of play, win headers. Um, so he's a very un-Spanish Spanish defender, if that makes sense. Alongside him, I'd go with Rob Holding, of course, uh, off the back of the news that he has signed a new contract with the club that will extend his stay, also increase his pay as well. Um, Rob Holding has been really good of late and he's been rewarded for that by the fact that he's been given uh, this new deal by the club. So Rob Holding will partner Pablo Marie for me. I know Gabriel is back in contention, um, but... Why would you break up a, a central defensive partnership that has done so well of late? And, um, you know, when you look, go refer back to that form guide I was talking about earlier on, um, you know, conceded one goal in the game against Chelsea, but kept clean sheets at, at Brighton and at West Brom. I know they're not the best teams in the Premier League necessarily, but uh, to keep those clean sheets, um, 
you know, is is a positive. And, and for me, if you want to, as Mikel Arteta, create this culture whereby players are on their toes, players are always performing, then when they do perform, they should be in the side. When they don't perform, they should be taken out. But there's nothing for me um, to suggest that those two uh, central defenders, either of them, deserve to be dropped uh, going into this game. I know Gabriel's been good this season, uh, but I would just ease him back in. He's been out with covid Yes, the symptoms weren't um, weren't particularly serious, according to what Mikel Arteta has had to say. But it it can take a bit of time to recover. He's obviously not been training as much as the others either. Uh, so I would maintain that central defensive pairing for the time being. In the centre of midfield, I would go with Granite Xhaka. Um, I thought he was immense when he came on in the game against Newcastle. Really helped turn the tide. Um, I thought he w- he's been really good. In a lot of games lately, I think he's really uh, playing well at the moment. I thought that alongside him, though, against Newcastle, Mohamed Elneny was shocking. I thought he was terrible. I thought Joe Willock was terrible as well. I thought the pair of them really let us down that day. They they weren't progressing the ball well enough. They weren't moving the ball well enough. They were giving it away cheaply. And for that reason, uh, Danny Ceballos would come into the centre of midfield alongside Granit Xhaka for me. You might be wondering why I've not included Thomas Partey from the start. I'm just not sure I'd risk him. Um, you know, I, I like Thomas Partey and I, I obviously feel that he's a transformative player, somebody that can come into this side, really improve the midfield, really take us up a level. But I worry, um, having seen him suffer a setback already, whether uh, this might be a little bit too soon for him. Look, in an ideal world, I'd like to see him come in uh, into the game with 15, 20 minutes to go uh, ahead of that Newcastle game so he can get a bit of fitness under his belt. Remember, it's quite a, a quick turnaround as well. Game on Thursday, game on Monday. Uh, so, you know, maybe giving him a few minutes just to to work his way back towards match fitness with a view to using him uh, alongside Granite Xhaka in the game against Newcastle is, is probably smart anyway. But like I say, I just worry about that fitness issue. I just worry about him potentially breaking down again. And for that reason, I wouldn't start him tonight. I'd go with Danny Ceballos. Had we been playing Manchester United, had we been playing Chelsea, had we been playing Tottenham, Liverpool, Manchester City, perhaps my view would be slightly different. But you've got to remember when Thomas Partey was rushed back in the North London derby and essentially suffered that injury, Arsenal were in a real desperate position. Arsenal were on a poor run of form desperately looking to turn it around and felt that bringing Thomas Partey back into the side would give him a bit of an uplift. How much of an uplift do you need off the back of three wins, four wins if you include the FA Cup? I think that Arsenal's confidence should be in the right place right now. We've achieved those victories without Thomas Partey. I just, you know, obviously Arsenal, in my view, are a better side with Thomas Partey in it rather than with him not in it. But it's just a a worry about him potentially breaking down again for me. So, I wouldn't start him. I'd start Danny Ceballos, um, who was excellent at West Brom. Um, and that would be my uh, my midfield pairing for this evening. Ahead of them, I'd go with Emil Smith-Rowe. Of course, he's been excellent of late. He's really done well to knit things together, particularly uh, formed a really strong bond with Bukayo Saka and Alexander Lacazette. The trio combined for that uh, goal that broke the deadlock against Newcastle in the FA Cup. Really enjoyed what I've seen from him of late. Obviously, he's another player who there are concerns uh, with regards to his fitness, but he didn't play a full game against Newcastle uh, United in the FA Cup. So for that reason, uh, I think he should be fit and ready to start. 
I'll go with Bukayo Saka on the right flank. He's just got to continue in that position because again, because he's been immense. And again, he came on uh, late in the game against Newcastle United. So, um, you know, should be fairly rested. I just think that those two have, have formed up such a good understanding of late, of course, know each other uh, from playing sort of at the lower levels, the under 23, under 18 levels, etc. Um, and I think that those two have been, uh, along with Pablo Marie, probably a catalyst for the, the turn in, in form for Arsenal uh, of late. So for me, those two have to start. I'd go with Alexander Lacazette up top. Again, another player who's been in really, really good form. And I've already mentioned uh, his ability to link up with those other two players I've included. So for me, that's a bit of a no-brainer. I think his link-up play has been really, really good. He's on, uh, He's been getting on the score sheet as well. So yeah, really enjoying what I'm seeing from Alexander Lacazette at the moment. Gabriel Martinelli uh, isn't going to be available. It doesn't seem uh, for this game. Of course, he is... Uh, recovering from that ankle injury. Hopefully, he'll be back in contention for the game against Newcastle on Monday, uh, which is why I've gone with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang on the left-hand side. Um, I think Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang obviously got his goal, uh, didn't he, the other day, and we're hoping that he's turned a little bit of a corner now. Gave a really good, honest interview, which we discussed on one of yesterday's podcasts. Um about his struggles and how he struggled to really lead a team when knowing that his own performances haven't quite been up to standard. So, yeah, when it comes to Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, I'd, I'd, I'm looking for a performance from him tonight. I think that if he can get closer to Alexander Lacazette combined with Smith-Rowe and Saka as well, I think Arsenal have a real uh, attacking threat this evening. I think Arsenal have to be wary, though, of, of the threat that Crystal Palace pose. As I mentioned earlier on, they're a side who you know, will come and sit deep. I think we can all agree on that. We'll come and, and park the bus, if you like, but also carry uh, a counter-attacking threat. And we've got to be aware of that. This team looks really, really attacking, doesn't it? You know, you look at that front four of Laka, Oba, Saka, Smith-Rowe. You don't expect them to do much defending. You're kind of banking on Granit Xhaka sitting in front of that back four um, and protecting um, with Danny Sabas playing in a slightly deeper position as well. But... Arsenal's fullbacks are, are likely to get forward tonight as well. You know, you're talking about if this is the team that plays, you're talking about Aubameyang playing from the left, cutting in on his stronger foot. You're talking about Saka doing the same from the opposite flank, which in turn creates spaces uh, for the overlapping runs uh, that Tierney and Bellerin like to do. And, and, and that's all well and good, but Arsenal have to, as I say, be very aware of Crystal Palace and, and the threat that they offer as well. As I said, we've only beaten them once in our last five Premier League meetings. So Roy Hodgson has clearly formulated a, a way of playing against this Arsenal side. Yes, things have changed in terms of the management and some of the personnel, but in terms of playing against sides that like to dominate the ball, like to control the game, like to control the tempo and the flow, Roy Hodgson is, is, is pretty uh, wily when it comes to uh, setting out tactics uh, for games like this. So I think we've got to be aware and be very, very careful. Patience is key tonight for me. You know, patience is is so, so important. We know that Arsenal, with these players in the side, are likely to create some opportunities. When those opportunities come along, of course, you've got to take them. But I think we've got to believe in what we're doing and believe in, not in the overall process, because I know a lot of people don't like that phrase anymore, but you've got to believe in the in-game process of trying to break a team down, wearing them down slowly, slowly, even if it's not necessarily 
you know, going brilliantly from the beginning. You wear them down, you work them hard, you move the ball quickly from left to right um, in between the lines and you try and pull people out of position and eventually cracks will appear. Those chances, when they come, they've got to be taken. It's as simple as that. And I think that given the form of Alexander Lacazette of late, you'd bank on him taking some of those, you know, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang as well, uh, getting back on the score sheet. Fingers crossed you'll see uh, him return return to scoring uh, regularly for the Arsenal. So, yeah, there's a lot to be optimistic about. Uh, my prediction uh, would be an Arsenal win here, but I don't think it's going to be a runaway win because of what I know about Crystal Palace. I'd expect it to be... If I had to predict, I'm going to go with a 2-0 Arsenal win. That is my prediction uh, for the game this evening. So Arsenal 2, Crystal Palace 0. Let's see how that plays out. Right, let's go over to the live chat and uh, see what some of you guys are saying. Scuba Guna says, love the show, Harry. Up the Gunners. Thank you so much, mate. Um, Alfred says, hola, Harry. How you doing, mate? Um, Christian Hoover asks a question. It's a little bit off topic, but we'll we'll touch on it anyway. Question. Option A, Buendia in Jan and Bissouma and Lamptey in the summer? Or would I rather have Awar and no other signings? I really like Lamptey. I like Buendia, but I'm not 100% sure about him and I'm not 100% sure about Bissouma. I'm not keen on Awar. I wasn't anyway during the trans during the summer transfer window when there was lots and lots of talk about that. It just felt like a little bit out of nowhere you know, the Hussein Awa rumours. So I'd, I'd pick option A of there, uh, of those two, Christian. So I'd go with the option of bringing Bundia in January and Bissouma and Lamptey in the summer over the option of Awa and no signings. Obvious reasons um, is that I really like one of the players in option A. And of course, you're talking about the potential of bringing three players in and enhancing the squad versus one. Um, so there we go. Uh, Alfred says uh, a cold day is a good day for Kieran Tierney. Having said that, he cannot play every game. Fully expect Kieran Tierney to be out on the pitch, warming up in his T-shirt and shorts whilst everyone else is wrapped up in tracksuits and snoods. <laughs> um, let's see what else you guys are saying uh, in the live chat. Um Christian makes a good point about Mikel Arteta and, and the fact that he hasn't really been able to celebrate a great deal with the Arsenal fans since taking over the job. And, you know, of course, he won the FA Cup and there were no fans in the stadium. So, yeah, it's um yeah, that connection isn't there. And, and hopefully we'll get that connection sooner rather than later. But it's a great point. Um, and, you know, one of the buzzes of being a, a top level manager is that connection with the fans, isn't it? It's been able to celebrate in the stadium with those supporters when a, an important goal goes in or important moments occur. So, yeah, of course, you know, having not had that connection, um, I think that's that's really knocked him back a little bit. And who knows, maybe had he had that connection, things would have been a little bit different. I, it can work both ways, though, can't it? Because given some of the performances we've turned in this season, had there been fans in the stadium, they'd have made Mikel Arteta's life very, very difficult. Uh, Nithian says, I have a bad feeling about today's game. Is it just me? Crystal Palace is a difficult opponent. Nithian, had we been on that run of, of ho consecutive home defeats that we were on uh, just a few weeks ago, I'd feel the same. Crystal Palace are a difficult opponent. They'll be a stubborn opponent, but one that, in my opinion, we have the quality to overcome. So, Given the recent form, I'm actually, I'm actually quite confident about tonight. As I said, I've predicted a two-nil win uh, for the Arsenal, but they're not going to be a pushover. Crystal Palace—they never are under Roy Hodgson. 
Marshall says, great content, Harry. Keep it up, bro. Thank you so much, mate. Really appreciate it. Robert, uh, referring to my comment about no fans in the stadium, he says, um, it feels like an extended preseason, Harry. Yeah, it does. Um, it really does. Uh, Omar's another one who's mindful of Palace. He says, they've been a bogey team for us over the last two seasons, even, ho- even holding us to a draw both home and away last season. So we'll have to be careful. Uh, completely agree, Robert. Also says, uh, smash the like button if you haven't already. Um, that really, really helps. As I've said, big uh, good morning. It's still morning here, right? Yeah. Uh, to Graham, to the Norwegian Gunnar says, how you doing? All good, mate. Thank you. Um, feeling, uh, feeling very good today. Um, what else have we got here? Uh, Graham Usher. Not a bad starting lineup. So he likes uh, likes my starting lineup, which is on on the screen for those of you watching us on the video. I'll just quickly run through it once more uh, for those of you listening to us via the audio platform. So this is my starting lineup, Harry's starting lineup for the game against Crystal Palace. Burn Leno in goal, back four, Hector Bellerin, Rob Holding, Pablo Marie, and Kieran Tierney. In the midfield, I go with Granite Xhaka and Danny Ceballos. Emil Smith-Rowe in the number 10 position with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang from the left, Bukayo Saka from the right, and Alexander Lacazette up top. Uh, Steve Stone agrees uh, on the points made about Pablo Marie. Um, it's been a really, uh, a really... I think breath for fresh air um, in the side because he, as I said, he's come and brought that calmness. And 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 Lee Judges made this point on the same old Arsenal podcast the other day when we were talking, and it was a really good point. I could have nicked it and taken it for myself. Damn, I should have done that. But he said that even Bern Leno um, has looked a lot more calm um, and relaxed with Pablo Marie in front of him. And I do think that I do think that the um, the uh, the central defenders have an impact on the goalkeeper and vice versa in terms of the kind of vibes that they give off you know in terms of the calmness the the you know the coolness i think that's important as a center back that you don't panic and that you do um kind of get through a game with as little sort of panic as as possible so yeah i i do think that 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 center back partnership and I think Rob Holding's quite calm as well. Uh, but Pablo Marie more so, I think. Pablo Marie has, has, has helped Rob Holding along, hasn't he? There's no doubt about that. Um, Old Rules says, I'd play Holding and Marie, but Ainsley Maitland-Niles in for Bellerin. And then I'd bring Partey on for the last 20 or 30 minutes. So pretty similar to what I say. MSS says Partey has to start. Uh, also says uh, that Gabriel should start as well. Um French Beats says bring in Martinelli for the last 15, 20. I don't think Martinelli's available. Um, my understanding was that he's been training, but it, it, he's in contention for the game against Newcastle. I don't expect to see Gabriel Martinelli even on the bench tonight, um, if I'm honest. Uh, Talao says, I get not wanting to risk Partey, but I think this game is too huge not to play him. Look, it is a big game. If Arsenal win tonight and Arsenal beat Newcastle on Monday... Six points could really put us back in contention for a top six place at least. So it it is a massive game. I just think that against an opponent like this, I actually think that Danny Sabas can do the job. And I'm going by the Danny Sabas I saw at West Brom. The issue with Danny Sabas, granted, is that Danny Sabas isn't always the same player. And, And that's what's... I think stopped a lot of the Arsenal fan base like completely warming to him. You know, there are days where Danny Sabas is absolutely brilliant 
And then there are days where Danny Sabas is completely bang average. So, yeah, it's uh, it's difficult, isn't it, to to know what you're going to get from Pablo Marie. But um, that's kind of where I am on it. I think he can do the job tonight. I think given that Thomas Partey is still not 100% fit, it's probably a wise decision uh, for Mikel Arteta to leave Thomas Partey out of the starting eleven. Um so uh, that's my view. Uh, good morning to JK. He says, morning, fellas. Going to be an interesting one tonight. A good test. Agreed. Um, Selgeus asks, what are Palace's weaknesses? Uh, one of our members, what are Palace's weaknesses? I, I don't think they're as overall. I don't think they're as technically gifted as some of the other sides that you'll play against in the Premier League. But I think they are quite physical. Um I think they're strong. I think they're well organized. I looking at their, you know, their um their their season so far, uh, refer, and I'm referring to the Premier League.com stats. I think the fact that they're conceding 1.71 goals per game, and Arsenal have had such a shit season up to now, have only conceded 1.12. I think you have to say that if you're looking for a weakness, it's their backline. Um, it can be exposed. It can be gotten at. Isn't quite as good as it probably used to be. Um, I know that, uh, and I don't know if he will play there tonight, but I know that Kuyate has been playing at centre-back for a, a fair amount of time this season. And Kuyate is a central midfield player and a, and a decent one at that. But that shows you that Palace have had issues in that area, I think. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't think that necessarily Roy Hodgson would have moved Kuyate back into the centre of defence unless he really needed to, unless he felt that there was a problem there, um, unless he had players out. And, and again, I'm no Crystal Palace expert, but it's just my kind of feeling uh, and my hunch is that um, the fact that they've had to play a central midfielder at centre-back for, for a proportion of this season probably tells you that defensively uh, they've had a few issues this season. So yeah, Taking into account that and, of course, the, the average goals conceded, Roy Hodgson won't like that. He's a, he's a manager who, who prides himself on a good defence. So he won't like that stat. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, that's where I am. Uh, in terms of your predictions, Omar says 2-0 win for me too. Simpy also agrees 2-0 win. Andreas in Cyprus, one of our members. How you doing, Andreas? He says, expect Thomas Partey to start ahead of Sabayos. So he expects uh, Thomas Partey to come straight into the side. Um, so, yeah, uh, we'll have to see on that. Um, and again, just stressing the lineup that I am sharing with you guys is the lineup that I would pick. And it doesn't mean that it's anything, you know, I'm not um, I'm not trying to tell you what Mikel's going to pick. I don't know what Mikel's going to pick. I'm not claiming to have any inside knowledge on that. Anyone that does is a liar. Um, I'm just telling you. Uh, what I would go with. But yeah, you know, the, if Thomas Partey plays, then I wouldn't be surprised. But I just, if it were me, I'm not sure I'd take the risk. Uh, Robin says, afternoon, Harry. Totally agree with that lineup. 2-0, mate. So lots of you uh, jumping on the 2-0 uh, prediction. Maybe we should put a bet on it as a group and see if it comes off. Um, while I've got you guys here, before we continue going through your comments, just a quick reminder uh, that if you want to become a member of the Chronicles of Aguna via YouTube, if you click the link in the description of this video, you will get more information on the tiers available. There are three tiers available and you can decide which, if any of them suit you, 
But all I can say is I'm truly overwhelmed by the number of you that have signed up over the first few days. It's not even been a week yet. And there's an incredible amount of you uh, who have jumped on um, and are supporting the channel. As I said before, um, I've gone back to freelance. I'm looking to create more content around the Arsenal, which is what I truly love doing. Um, And I want to bring bring that content up to a higher level. I want to enhance that content. Um, I want to get you more guests. Uh, got a couple of really good ones lined up for next week. Uh, so I want to get you more guests. I want to bring you more podcasts and improve the quality as well. And, and to do that, I need your support. And if you're gonna, if you're willing to do that, um, I'll be so grateful. But I also appreciate that this is a very difficult time. And so there is no obligation to do so. It's purely if you want to. Um, you will not be getting any less content than you currently get now if you don't sign up. But there will be members only stuff and members uh, keep an eye on your feeds today because there is a question and answer video uh, coming out this afternoon, especially for you guys. So it's a members only bit of content. Um, So yeah, keep your eyes peeled on that community tab on the YouTube channel for that. I'll notify you in the Discord server when it's available as well. Cheers. Uh, Right, let's get back to it. Just in time asks, if Napoli offered a hundred million for Tierney, would you take it? I was having this discussion the other day with uh with Curtis Shaw, because it was off the back of a listener question. It was would I take a hundred million uh for Bukayo Saka? And one second. Uh yeah, sorry. Getting distracted. Um the question was, would I take a hundred million for Bukayo Saka the other day? And the answer was, you, obviously, you don't want to lose the player, and you don't want to lose Kieran Tierney. But if if selling one player could could it could speed up the rebuilding process at Arsenal, you know, and I'm talking about meaning that you could go out and get two or three players, um, you know, that would really push the team on in other areas, maybe more urgent areas. Would you do it? I don't want to lose Kiarantini. I think he's fantastic. But I do believe that every single player in world football, even Lionel Messi, even Cristiano Ronaldo, has a price. And so I would never rule out selling anyone ever. <laughs> that's, that's that's just me. Um, Ebby's got some concerns uh, about tonight's games. He's worried uh, that Zaha will run rings around Bellerin and send him right back to default settings. Yeah, you know, Wilfred Zaha is a threat, but you know, if Zaha has a good game, if Zaha causes us problems, everybody will be very quick to jump on, on Hector Bellerin, but Wilfred Zaha will cause most football backs in world football problems when he's on top of his game. And I think you need to consider that. And I think you need to take that into account. If you're expecting Hector Bellerin to shut out every single top class winger in the world, then your expectations are well overblown. There are very few fullbacks in world football that can do that. And nobody, I don't think, is claiming that Hector Bellerin is world-class. He's just claiming that of the options we've got, he's the best one. And, and I think that is the case. Ainsley Maitland-Niles doesn't impress me. Ainsley Maitland-Niles doesn't look like he's interested half the time. I know he's in and out the side and that can't help. But I, I disagree with the calls for Ainsley Maitland-Niles to come into the side. Arsenal's form has turned around. The back four has been solid. Hector Bellerin's been a part of that back four. And so for me... He should continue. Um, what else have we got here? Uh, Method Man says, Zaha's just had a baby, so hopefully his head is all over the place. I can tell you one thing, mate. He won't be getting as much sleep as he used to. Uh, hopefully that has an impact. 
Malik says, hey, Harry, love your in-depth analysis of the game. Uh, Malik, thank you so much, mate. Um, really, really appreciate that. And uh, thank you for uh, watching the show. Uh, Sergei says, how is Pablo Marie's command of English? And the honest answer to that, mate, is I don't know. Um, for some reason, I'm thinking in my head that I watched an interview with him after one of the games and it seemed quite good. Um yeah, I'm I'm going to say that Pablo Marie's English is quite good. Who was it against, man? There was one of the recent games. Pablo Marie came out and faced the press after. Or was it against, or was it for Arsenal.com he gave an interview? Definitely gave an interview. You've also got to remember, right, that Pablo Marie has played in a number of countries. He played in the UK before. He was at Manchester City. He went to the Netherlands where there is a very, you know, good understanding of English. You go to the Netherlands, particular the big cities, everybody speaks English. So, um, yeah, I, I'm pretty confident in saying this and I will double check it uh, because I don't want to give you false information. I hate doing that. Um, but yeah, um, I'm pretty sure that Pablo Marie's English is, 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 is good. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, what else have we got? Dan Price is also calling for Ainsley Maitland-Niles to start. He says he's more equipped to deal with Zaha and Eze than Bellerin. Um, interesting on, on Eze because he's been in the news, hasn't he, this week for, for breaking the COVID protocol. He turned, he went and watched some QPR games. Of course, his former club, Roy Hodgson, condemned him in the press conference, said that it was wrong and that he would have learned from it. Um, but yeah, I, will Eze be dropped out of the starting eleven as a result of that? I don't know. Um, I wouldn't imagine so because he's been a really important player for them of late. But, you know, you, you don't know, do you, um, in these situations? You don't know what, what decision the manager is going to take. You don't know whether the club will be sort of pressuring um, Roy Hodgson into to taking some action over uh, Eze's, uh, discretion, uh, over Eze's mistake. Sorry, um, indiscretion was the word I was trying to find. I don't know. We'll We'll see on that. But you know, look, I'm not, I agree why people, I, sorry, I understand why some people would rather see um, Ainsley Maitland-Niles play at right back. But I'm a big advocate of just keeping a team um, that is winning the way it is, you know, and, and you've got to think over the course of these last three fixtures, the Chelsea game, the Brighton game, the West Brom game, these have been Arsenal's best performances of the campaign. You know, that Fulham and Man United, five games this season where Arsenal have been good, in my opinion. The rest of the games we've won, we've got over the line. You know, we've creeped through. But there's been five impressive Arsenal performances this season, in my view. And so you've got to stick with the team that, that has achieved that, I think, anyway. But that's just my view, of course. Uh, what else have we got here? Alfred says, Sabahs will play better with an extra option in attacking midfield. Our pivots haven't had that option who make movements for them for the most part of the season. It's a really good point. You know, would someone like Danny Sabahs come to life uh, with that option to play the ball to sort of in between the lines in a Millsmith row? Granite Shaka certainly has. Granite Shaka really, really has. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a really good point, Albert. Xander um, asks whether with the threat of Eze and Zaha, do you feel, feel we need a pacey centre-back in Gabriel to contain their threat? It's a good point. 
it is a good point. Look, had Gabriel not been out with COVID, had Gabriel been playing in the last few weeks, I think I think it's an option. Um, and I think it's, you, you know, you again, look, I think you go by the form, don't you? I mean, you can talk about the pace of, of Eze and Zaha. What about the pace of Werner when Chelsea played us? Um, and the threat that they have, you know, the pace of Connolly that Brighton may have brought to the table. You know, that every team you come up against now in the Premier League has got uh, has got an element of pace to it, has got that kind of player that likes to run in behind, well, in most cases anyway. I don't really worry about that, um, if I'm honest. But I, I understand, again, it's a good point and I understand where you're coming from. Be interesting to see if Mikel... Uh, sees it that way. Uh, Rory Stephen Mansbridge says, Mikel wants to keep Balogun, but doesn't even put him on the bench. I agree we might not have seen enough to rave about him, but it seems he has something more to offer than Eddie. Yeah, Balogun surprisingly left off of the substitutes bench for that FA Cup tie uh, against Newcastle United. Mikel's been talking about him wanting to stay. Um, but I also think that if we're in a position where the player is yet to commit his future to the club, then why would you prioritise him over somebody who who has committed the future to their club, whose, whose head is fully on board with what Mikel is building and what Arsenal are building? This is my thing, you know, with this Balogun thing. And, and I've talked about it over the last few days, so I don't want to really repeat it too much, so I'll just keep it brief. But Mikel said that, that Balogun wants to stay. If Balogun wants to stay, he needs to tell his agent, I want to stay at the football club. The agent is not the problem. The agent works for following Balogun. Whatever he wants is what his agent will do. The agent's job is to go and get the offers, bring them to the table. And he and his player, his client, whatever you want to call him, will then discuss them. But ultimately, the player has employed the agent. And so the player has the final say. Now, if we're at a point where the contract is coming towards an end, you know, in a matter of months and the player is yet to decide that he wants to commit his future to Arsenal Football Club, then keeping him out of the picture isn't ludicrous for me. You know, why would you want to develop someone who could likely be leaving at the end of the season? You wouldn't. You'd you'd rather your own players develop. You'd rather the ones that you know are going to be with you. Um, you know, uh, you'd rather those guys got the game time. Those guys got the experience and the chances. So, yeah. Um, that's uh, that's my view on that. Uh, a few more predictions. Graham says 2-0 to the mighty Arsenal. Robert, 2-1 to us, Harry. Alfred's gone 1-0 to the Arsenal. Uh, Ekene disagrees with um, my decision, if I was manager, hypothetically speaking, to leave Thomas Partey out of the starting lineup today. He says, sorry, Harry, Partey is playing. No time to joke around. There is a difference between up for, being up for the game and being fit. He is... He is four and up for the game, so he should play. I'm not saying he's not going to play. It's just I think that keeping Thomas Partey fit over the course of the rest of the season is more important than having him for this Crystal Palace game. As I said, we've picked up three wins on the bounce without him. And and my view is that, you know, I'd, I don't want to take a risk. We've already seen the guy break down because we rushed him back in a time of desperation. This is not a time of desperation. So I feel that Arsenal can afford to, in this instance, be a little bit less rash and be, uh, you know, 
a little bit gung ho with with Thomas Partey's fitness. But listen, there will be loads of you out there that want to see Thomas Partey start tonight. That feel Thomas Partey starting tonight would be the right decision. If he does start, I'm not going to complain. I think he's a fantastic player. I was delighted when we signed him. I spent the whole of the summer transfer window telling people that he was more important than us bringing in Hussein Mawar. So he's not. It's not that I don't like the player. It's not that I don't want to see him play. I just worry about the fitness, and I, and I really, really do. If he plays, great, happy days. If he stays fit, even better. If he helps us, uh, you know, push on and get a really positive result, fantastic. I just, if I was in charge, I'd wait another few days. I'd give him 15, 20 minutes at the end, as I said, uh, assuming that the, um, the the game state allows that, and that would be that. A big hello to Tazel. He says, I've got a feeling we're going to get a big win tonight. Normally, when I get this feeling, we lose. Don't say that, Tez. <laughs> Uh, Graham says, hit the likes, uh, make sure you do so. Um, Tazel also says he's going to go for a 4 0 win. So that's the big nil, uh, the big to nil win he's talking about. Um, Robert asks, where's the hat, Harry? Yeah, I've been combing my hair lately, so I don't need it. Um, that's what it is. <laughs> uh, let's see uh, what else we've got here. Um, Robin says, for future guests for the podcast, you should try and get Graham Brooks on the show. Uh, Robin, Graham is a, a great friend of mine, um, colleague over on the same old Arsenal. Unfortunately, Graham uh, lost his mother um, at the, the back end of last year, and he's not quite uh, up to it at the moment. He's not feeling uh, like doing the podcast, but I'm sure Graham will be on in the future. It's always a pleasure to talk to Graham. Um, absolutely love discussing Arsenal with him and I'm sure Graham will be back on the scene and uh, back on this show as well uh, in uh, in due course looking forward to chatting to him and uh, Graham if you're watching all the best mate uh, a few questions about um, about signings um, in this one but we'll save that for later on because we tend to do the transfer stuff uh, a little bit later on in the day. Richard Butler asks, what's the obsession with holding David Lewis all day long? Holding's been playing well, Richard, like whether people want to acknowledge that or not, there's, you know, it, sh it shouldn't really be a debate. He has been playing well alongside Pablo Marie, as I've said, two clean sheets out of the last three. You know, I, I don't think that, that Mikel will drop Rob Holding. Um, and and I wouldn't drop him right now either. Not for this game. I feel like he's done very well alongside Pablo Marie. And it's not even an obsession with Holding. I've I've never sat here and and ever said that Rob Holding is a top class centre back. I've I've said that when Arsenal get the players in that they need to get, he won't be first choice. And I said that part of the reason why I think um he signed the contract that he signed with Arsenal on the money that he's he's getting, which is is not a great deal, by the way, not for people like us, but in comparison to some of his teammates. I think that he signed that because he's willing to be that squad player. He's always been willing to be that squad player. Having come from Bolton to be at a football club like Arsenal, um, you know, is is massive for him. And I, and I think he's accepting of his role at Arsenal Football Club. And, and that's why I think he's just got his head down, got on with it done well in training, performed well when given opportunities most of the time this season. And, and I think that Mikel will persist with him tonight. And and I would persist with him just because back four is keeping clean sheets. And why would you change it? You know, I like David Lewis. I'm actually one of the Arsenal fans that doesn't really give David Lewis a lot of stick because I think he does bring things to the side. But I just, I'd, I'd expect Arteta to persist with holding and I would persist with holding just because 
You're talking about a central defensive pairing that's done really, really well uh, of late. And so I wouldn't change it. It's literally keep maintaining a winning team. Someone pointed out that I, I said maintain a winning team and then I dropped Elneny out. Elneny was just really bad uh, against uh, Newcastle, I thought, as was uh, Joe Willock. Um, so, yeah. Uh, that's where I'm on that. Uh, Christian says, just place $20 on 2-0, Harry. Good stuff. Uh, hopefully it comes off, mate. And then uh, and then you can thank me. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, right. Let's see uh, what else we've got in terms of your questions just before we wrap up. Let's pick up one more. Chris Pantelli says, we need another goalkeeper. Everyone knows this, Harry. What do you think about Heaton, Forster and the Barcelona number two? I believe his name is Neto or something like that. I think we do need a goalkeeper, but Whoever comes in is going to have to be accepting of the fact that they're going to be a number two. This is not, you, you know, Mikel Arteta. And I don't know if this is because he doesn't feel he has a, a strong enough number two. But from what he's been saying, the vibe I get is that he's not one of these managers who wants to have a cup goalkeeper and a league goalkeeper. Um, he, he wants to have um, one number one and a deputy when needed. So whoever that deputy is, isn't going to get opportunities like our second choice goalkeepers used to get under Arsene Wenger um, or Unai Emery to play in the cup competitions. So I think that whoever it is, it's not going to be someone big name. Um, it's not going to be someone expensive. It's going to be a cheap deal, a stopgap kind of deal um, because we know Arsenal's financial state is not great at the moment. And we know that, you know, they'll be looking to do business in other areas as well. So I feel like Burn Leno is clearly the standout number one. I feel like Arsenal will look to bring a goalkeeper in. But who that's going to be, I don't know. There's a lot of names being banded about. Matt Ryan is one that gets thrown about. People like Heaton, Forster. Yeah, they could do a job. Um, but, you know, time will tell. I'm not even... I'm not even completely convinced that we're going to get one during this window. You know, I'd like to think that we're trying. And I think Mikel Arteta's comments suggest that they're open to doing that. But there is no guarantee that they will bring in a goalkeeper this month. It'll be great if they do. Um, but, you know, I couldn't tell you who we're going to get because it, it depends on so many things. It depends on their availability. It depends on their wage demands. It depends if they're accepting of the role that they're going to have at the club. There are a number of factors you need to consider here. So it's not as simple for me as as just throwing names out there. I, I don't know. Um, I, I really don't know. I haven't also looked around at people's um, contract situations for some of the names linked and when their contracts expire, what that means in terms of maybe being able to get them for a small fee now or, or, or you know, or what that is. I, I haven't really looked at it in, in great depth just yet, but I completely agree with you, Chris. We do need a goalkeeper. Who that's going to be, though, uh, I couldn't tell you right now. Uh, A says, if there is interest in Nketiah at 30 million, how could any team possibly reject that? Completely agree. 30 million pound is on the table for Eddie Nketiah. I will drive him to his next destination myself. That's no hard feelings. Um, you know, it's, it's not me being horrible to Eddie Nketiah. I just don't think he's Arsenal level. I've always maintained that and I'm not going to flip-flop on it now. Uh, just finally, Tazel says, I'm happy Lacquer has started finding form again. I can't believe people gave him so much stick. I felt sorry for him because he started the season well and then he got dropped for Eddie. And now Eddie is just a bench warmer. Um, I have a feeling Arteta played some of these guys to boost, maintain their price tags. Not a bad call. Um, could have been the case. Um 
you know, often we, we, we see managers, you know, we probably overlook this part of the game, but often managers are probably directed by people higher up in the club and say, you know, we want to sell this guy this summer, get him involved, keep him involved um, because we need to drive up the price. It's not a bad shout, Tez. It, it certainly happens. Um, and that's where there's always this kind of breakdown, isn't it? Or you, you see these breakdowns between managers, directors of football, um, chairman, et cetera, et cetera. It puts a strain on the relationship, but it certainly, in my opinion, does go on. Right. Spam the chat. Let us know where it is you are currently joining from us live and I'll give you guys a shout out. Um, just a quick reminder on how to become a member of the Chronicles of Aguna channel. If you scroll down uh, in the description on YouTube and click the link, it will take you to our membership page. Uh, you will check out the uh, three different tiers and you can decide which, if any, suit you. Your support is very, very much appreciated. Love to have you on board. First bit of members only content is dropping this afternoon. You'll also get perks like uh, priority on the fanning shows, um, depending on which tier you pick and the opportunity to appear on our uh, members stream. So check it all out. And if you can support, it is very, very much appreciated. Uh, right. Let's have a uh, let's give a shout out to Robin in Sweden, to the Philly Gunnar in Philly, uh, to Virog in Bermuda, to Nadine in Brighton, uh, to Gert in the Netherlands, uh, to the Ruthless Gunnar TV in Western Sydney. Um, brilliant stuff. Um, and to everybody else, of course, watching us, listening to us, watching us back later, listening to us back later. It is all appreciated. If you're listening via the audio platforms, make sure you leave us a review, a five star one at that with a comment is always helpful. We'll be back very, very soon with more. We're coming to you live for the watch along tonight, 7.45 p.m. right here. Uh, set your reminders. Come and join me to take you through the game between Arsenal and Crystal Palace. Until then, ciao. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.